Ladies and gentlemen, thick, mean, lean, swole, focused, zoned in, honed in, zen. These are words that describe Jake Watson, and I'm joined in person by Danny O'Donnell. We are passing a mic back and forth. We are live on Instagram, and we are going to be fielding questions from people. It is uh, the eve of Fight to Win 167, something like that. So uh, we'll just be fielding some questions and um, just talking about the event, talking about how I'm feeling, talking about how Danny O'Donnell is looking, feeling, moving, grooving. Danny, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, this is really exciting because it's the first time I've ever recorded in person. And, yeah, Jake's fighting on Fight to Win 167. Super stacked card. Um, the fact that your fight is fourth from the top is pretty crazy because it's Jake versus Pedro Mourinho, for people who don't know. Pedro just got his black belt this week, so... I think people have been, like, really anxiously waiting his black belt debut for a while because he's been beating a lot of black belts in Ogi. And this is a gi fight, which is really cool. Um, I'm a huge fan of that. So, yeah, just cool to be doing this. Yeah, it's going to be cool because uh, I feel like you're going to kind of have to do this sort of like an interview uh, for me even a little bit because we only have one mic. So it's kind of like I'm getting interviewed, but I'm also on camera. I can note. I also notice that you're dipping out of the frame a little bit, which I'm not a fan of. Yeah, you're out here trying to hide behind uh, behind the camera. Um I actually, because, uh, you know what, should I tell uh, Sean, Sean Joseph what room we're in or no? Should I tell him? Because he's going to come down here and try to do a flex off with me live on camera. All right, we're in room 1415, Mr. Uh, Mr. Sean Joseph. Anyway, um, we're, we're super excited for this event, and, uh, you know, Pedro's a great competitor. I'm really fond of his game. I know it's going to be kind of a physical fight. I know it's going to be uh, a little more rough than probably uh, – what I usually deal with uh, in a gi fight, but I also know that that plays a little bit into my advantage. It's going to be very interesting to see how the fight uh, goes and how it takes place, but, I mean, um, you know, glory to God I'm even here in the first place. So I'm, I'm really I'm really excited. I'm really happy that I'm able to do it and hopefully put on a show. So a couple questions for you about Pedro and his game and just the matchup. So obviously most of his recent tournaments have been no gi. Have you <laughs> – sorry, I'm laughing at the comments. Have you had a chance to watch any of his gi matches? Yes, I have. I saw him fight. Uh, I saw him fight uh, William Tackett, and I saw him fight Jonathan Gracie. Um, as far as IBJJF tournaments go, I haven't seen very much uh, out of him, but uh, I have seen him do a very good job against William Tackett in the gi. Granted, uh, William uh, did do mostly no gi before he fought Pedro, as did Pedro. But uh, against Jonathan, Jonathan got under his leg. But Jonathan doesn't have really the same game that I do. Jonathan Gracie. Uh, I don't know if I clarified that, but. Uh, to me, it seems that Pedro is sort of Ronaldo-esque uh, in the way he approaches passing, and I haven't really seen him on his back a whole bunch. So tomorrow, uh, you know, I have my game plan. I'm sure he has his uh, to combat me, uh, probably, you know, make the fight a little more physical, a little more athletic, whereas mine is not necessarily that. Um, but, yeah, I have, I, those are the two matches that I've gotten to see. And you know what? It helps to study his Nogi game a little bit because he is physical. He's probably going to take that same intensity into a Gi match, so I don't want to be surprised by anything. Yeah, I watched a bunch of his Nogi, obviously, because he's competed a lot in Nogi, and then also th the same matches Jake watched in the Gi and a few others. I feel like some of the stuff he does in Nogi, even though people think like his front headlock system and his guillotines in Nogi, people probably wouldn't think that that would be as effective in the Gi, but he makes it work. So it's it's kind of cool. I feel like you're right. You can definitely be in <laughs> We have a guest coming in. We have a guest. We have a guest. What? But you can be informed by his Nogi to watch his Gi stuff. <laughs> What's up, Sean Joseph? <laughs> I'm Danny. Danny, yeah. Sean. Nice to meet you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sean Joseph of uh, Carlitos? Carlitos Team, and Vito. 
de Carlitos Banditos, equipe de Carlitos Banditos, ese es Sean Joseph, do uh, what was formerly Team No Sleep, and uh, he's going to take my he's going to take my seat here. We are we are getting a little dicey. Um, we were we were asking questions about fight to win. We're talking a little bit about uh, the event, but you have kind of an inside perspective on fight to win. You have a different. I mean, look all together. We, I, I don't even know what we're going to put this uh, this open guard cast thumbnail as. Are we going to put it like half of it is going to be kind of me and you, and the other half is going to be Sean Joseph because he came in a little late? I think our, you guys both need to get in here. <laughs> oh, and people have seen enough of my ugly mug. We got to be seeing. We got to be seeing. We have to be seeing a little bit of this uh, of this experienced man here, this mountain of an experienced man. We are going to do a flex off uh, after we finish recording the episode for all the viewers at home. Uh, in which I will bury you in the dirt. But I want to finish my question. Uh, what What is it like working for Carlitos Banditos? Uh, it's it's awesome, really. I mean, it's uh, it's you fly around to all these different cities and uh, you know meet meet a bunch of new people doing jujitsu. And um, uh, I mean, it's hard work. It's not. I mean, everybody kind of sees it maybe as you know the they see the easy stuff that we do. Nobody really sees the hard work that really. Uh, kind of goes into our job, but um, I mean, some people do. So I don't know. I would just say, uh, I mean, it's the best job I've ever had. I mean, besides, I've had a lot of jobs, so this is definitely the best one. Funny enough, I was actually able to um, partake in a little bit of the team no sleep, or sorry, Carlitos Benditos experience, and uh, it was after my fight with I believe it was Hudson Mateos that I that I stayed up until 4 a.m. with uh, the entire team taking down the stage, and I remember it was just so fun. Oh yeah. Okay. So. Explain this game for the viewers at home. This is a fantastic game. Uh, the name, a little vulgar. F- the, 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 the name is a little vulgar. But I want to say one of the most ple- uh, painful but fun experiences I've had with uh, Carlitos Banditos. Explain this game. So, uh, essentially, you have two sides of the field, and you have teams of two, and each player takes a turn throwing a big wad of gorilla tape that we've taken off the stage uh, at each other's uh, dicks. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's pretty much the, essentially the the game. What are the rules, though? What are the regulations? Uh, the rules are, I mean, obviously you can't move. If you move, that's a foul. Um, and then each each time you throw the ball, you move your you know you move your side of the field a little bit closer. So the you know get just that little extra zing on that sometimes can can be deadly. Yeah. So the teams last time were me and Sean Joseph versus uh, Evan and Ed Johnson, who Ed we met earlier. He's the bald man uh, down at Fight to Win. Um, what's crazy, though, is Sean is scarily accurate, uh, but he was on my team, so he didn't have to hit me in the balls. But uh, <laughs> Or was that Evan? I was, I was out. I was the first oh, no, that was Evan that was accurate. I was out in dick ball. I'm actually a pioneer of this game, so we, I mean, we both are. <laughs> we, we were flagship competitors. Uh, Danny, would you like to play this game uh, tomorrow night with the Fight to Win crew? Honestly, not really. <laughs> Why not? I, I mean, I will. I guess I will. If I what are you afraid of, coward? Getting hit in the dick. <laughs> that's a lot. the only thing you have to be afraid of in that game. I would say that that's a lot. While that is a logical fear, it's not necessary. Um, really, the only fear is when Ed kind of gets a little too into it and he throws it a little too hard. He has a rocket for an arm, so yeah, he's definitely. And he was throwing at Jake, so that was. It was pretty rough. Um, another question, though. So you say that you have been traveling 
and doing this job, and it's like one of their favorite jobs. Are there any key moments, uh, any key events that you kind of stand out to you in this in this time you work? You've been doing a lot of events for Fight to Win. You've actually fought on the stage a whole bunch. You recently challenged for, I believe, the title, correct? Uh, it was a number one contender match, so not quite. I was like, that's, I think, the equivalent of the uh, me sitting on that third-place podium spot with the <laughs> other guy. So that's kind of where I was. Well, being someone that works on Fight to Win and is able to compete at a high enough level to be in the number one contender spot is really cool. So you have kind of this interesting bridge where you get to meet a bunch of competitors, competing against high-level competitors, and you have a bunch of experiences. What is an experience in working for Fight to Win that really stands out to you? Uh, I mean, for me, uh, I mean, I like competing, but, I mean, for I think for me it's the refereeing, um, getting to, I mean, referee a lot of the high-level matches like you and – you know, Hudson and, uh, you know, I mean, just you and Pedro is going to be a crazy match. Um, I think it's obviously going to change a little bit. I haven't seen him fight in the gi. Um, I've only seen him fight no gi. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, I think just having front row stage to those those huge matches really is kind of a little, little wild. I try not to really think about it like that because then you get, you know, you get nervous and, I'm supposed to be unbiased, obviously, as a referee. So, yeah. So you talked about like how people only see like the fun part of it, and I think it, like everyone sees the production. They see like you guys, you know, working the event, and they just think it's you know you're just guys who love jujitsu. Just everything is set up already. Like they don't really understand like what goes into it. So do you want to talk a little bit about like what it's like like getting to a city and then setting up the event, like leading up to the event before the like the cameras are ever on. Right now, it's um, right now it's a little bit different because of the pandemic and everything. Uh, we've been going three weeks at a time. Like so, for instance, uh, this is our second week in Austin. So we set up last week, and then the stage gets to stay up. Sorry, I just put that down. Uh, the stage gets to stay up. So this week we come in, and there's actually not really much to do. We do a little bit of adjusting, obviously, see what we maybe could have. Uh, you know, perform better on in the first show, and then we kind of fix that in the second show, and maybe perfect it in the third show. Um, and then the third show at the end, that's when we tear everything down. Um, our schedule is about to change, but it used to be we would come into the city um, the day of weigh-ins, start setting up at you know 11 or 12, um, finish setting up by showtime, and then at the end of show we would tear everything down and be working until, like, that's kind of where the team no-sig thing came from because, um, you know, those guys really didn't sit for that. I was part of that crew kind of towards the end, um, but then once the pandemic hit, it just kind of changed things a little bit, and Seth's done a great job at um, kind of <laughs> making it all work, essentially, um, and, I mean, as far as I can see, it seems to be working. Yeah, that was definitely something that I, I think Jake and I have talked a lot about like over the course of the podcast, but I feel like Fight to Win has done the best job during the pandemic of keeping events going, like still having amazing fights, getting like the best guys to come out and compete. So like what outside of the changes like logistically, staying in the city for a few weeks or whatever, what are like some of the biggest changes since the pandemic? Um Oh well I'm not sure. Hold um on. <laughs> Um, Antoine, uh, Antoine kicked my butt <laughs> in my in my second fight to win match. Actually, yeah, he did. 
Yeah, he used my uh, he used my legs as chew toys <laughs> for six or seven minutes out of the out of the match. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a, I mean it was a good match. It was, it was entertaining. Yeah, I mean most everybody else he most everybody else he finishes. So I think my I was walking funny for a little bit after that match. <laughs> yeah, love him too, man. Love you, love you, bro. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, about the pandemic, and uh, I would say, really, just uh, there's not as like the weigh-ins are obviously a lot different now. Um, but other than that, uh, I mean, the, the the amount of people at the show, I guess I'm I'm looking at. The, so the weigh-ins are way different uh, now because we don't do like face-offs anymore, um, and then just the amount of people that are at the show, I would say. Other than that, I mean, it's Seth playing the playing the same music and uh, you know playing the jams and you know fire matches. Uh, I mean, other than that, I don't know what else what else we're looking for. I would say the one thing that really really uh, was interesting to me was the the face off. Like, I feel like it's awkward to weigh in now because they could just go and weigh in. You don't have to wait until Seth is done explaining the rules. You don't have to wait until anything is is over. You just gotta kind of go do it. So like, I was. I didn't eat all day basically because I had to kind of drop a little bit of weight, and I was uh, I, I like went away and I, I was fully expecting to okay it's gonna take like an hour, and then we just kind of went there, weighed in, and left, and I was like oh I took like five minutes, fast, real in and out. So, uh, you know, what's funny is you I mean you knocked on the door, <laughs> impromptu open guard cast guess and I loved it, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was fa- I came down here for the flex off. I didn't come down here for the Oh, the flex off is going to be part of the podcast. The flex off is going to be part of the podcast. He, Danny is going to commentate it so that Open Guardcast can hear it. We're going to do it on top of here. And then I'm going to post the video to Open Guardcast and everyone is going to vote in the comment section. Listen. You're like Masters 3. I destroyed this guy when I was 135 pounds and now I'm 140 seven pounds and that is all muscle that went straight to my arms like nowhere else on my body so you, we're not doing a we're not doing a uh we're not doing a uh, uh traditional rules flex off we're doing your, your rules flex off it's always my rules so we're not doing quad stomp no quad stomp how i beat nikki rod it's you know obviously i can't beat nikki rod i have to there's a loopholes that i find that allows me to You know what's funny is I don't think you would beat Danny in a flex off. I literally don't. I swear to you, this guy. No, I'm telling you, bro. I'm tell. I'm telling you. Put put a five. Put the number five in chat if you want to see Danny flex off Sean Joseph. I'm telling you right now, people are gonna do it because Ryan Lou knows exactly how ripped you are, Danny. This is not even podcast material, by the way, at this point. First of all, <laughs> why would I do that? Okay, I'm I'm the champion. This guy's an. This guy hasn't. Flexed off against anybody, he hasn't proven to anybody that he can even flex off with anybody that's of any stature of, of you know importance around here. We're so getting, we're getting uh, we're getting some getting some vibes yeah. in chat, Danny. They want to see it. They want to see it. I need a number one contender. Hey, hey, hey! I want to commentate this. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as of right now, coming up first, Sean Joseph. All right, all right, all right. No, no, no. 
It's a one at a time. Oh, it's me? All right, check it out. We're going to do this. We're going to do this flex off. Stand up. I'll do it first, and then you're going to come and rescue me. Ready? Here you go. All right, here you go. Yeah. All right, they're going full shirts off. Interesting. Here we go. Dude, are we, so, like, it depends what we're looking for. Are we looking for definition? We're looking for... We're looking for Sean Joseph Johnson. We're looking for... I'm <laughs> way more ripped than... <laughs> 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 he did that to me last yeah. <laughs> You are more ripped. I am more... I'm more bummed. I don't know. I don't think I should be the judge. We should let them be the judge. You know what's funny is the crowd asked for you, and you turned them down. <laughs> I'm not ready. The crowd wanted Danny. The crowd wanted yeah. Danny. They put fives in the chat. <laughs> Guys, we need the down lighting. Sean throws a left hook. All right, listen. <laughs> Sean has a good left Here's hook. The thing. I'm focusing on a match tomorrow. <laughs> this, you may not like it, but this is what the peak male body looks like. <laughs> you may not like it. You may think, oh, I got the peak male body. I'm uh, I'm Sean Joseph. I'm you know 37, 38 years old. How old are you? 36. Okay, yeah, come on, guys. I was, I was so mean. Master two now. I'm master two. That's fantastic. One, th- you know what's funny is, um, one time, uh, <laughs> I just got insulted in the chat. I apologize. Uh, one time, I beat him, right? Everybody, <laughs> throw up a throw up a one if I beat Jake Watson. It wasn't that hard. All right, check it out. One time, uh, it was after a fight to win. I think when I when I fought Ronaldo Jr. I hung. I got to hang out with your daughter. So how's your daughter? Oh yeah, Kyla. You guys talked Pokemon. Yeah, we talked about Pokemon for several hours. So um, several hours I spent talking uh, with his daughter Kyla about Pokemon. Very very uh, cool young young lady. And uh, Sean, uh, she's thirteen. Big into video games and uh, anime. Yeah. Did she beat the Did she beat the game that I sent her? Yes. Fantastic. Yeah, she's really cool. She was uh, she was very easy to talk to, and uh, that I think that's a moment where you and I became better friends. Um, also, you were my roommate for the Hudson Mateos fight, which is pretty funny. Like you were just you were in my room. Luck charm. I was your good luck charm. Maybe I should. You only have, there's only <laughs> on the floor. Uh, that that couch right there actually uh, turns if you pull out the footrest a little bit, turns into like a levitating bed. I'm gonna go out and eat, and I don't want to interrupt your guys' podcast anymore, but. Right on. Yeah. I appreciate it, Danny. Jake. God bless you, brother. So good to see you. <laughs> Love you. See you tomorrow. No, it was the plan. <laughs> All right. So thank you for that. Uh, for the impromptu interview with Sean Joseph. Uh, but we're back. Back talking about fight to win. Back answering questions in the chat. That was funny. I think. Yeah, that was awesome. I actually had a bunch more questions I wanted to ask him, but. It's all good. That'll be great, great for the next uh, next episode. But if you guys have questions, definitely send them in because um, I have a few more questions for Jake, but I kind of want to see what you guys want to ask too. I think Moses asked, when you have an opponent for fight to win, do you have a specific strategy based on the opponent, or do you just try and go for submissions to score the points? Uh, a mixture of both. So I have to, I have to uh, have a bit of a strategy against them, right? Because everybody fights a little bit differently. But I'm not changing my game radically. To um, 
I'm not changing my game radically to meet like some kind. Like I'm not going to change who I am as a grappler to meet somebody else. It's more okay. I know what I need to do. Kind of. I don't need to pay attention for. I know what I need to do to respond to certain drastic things, but it's not really changing myself. It's more just like, okay, staying aware of certain things somebody does well. For instance, Pedro has a good guillotine. I think if anybody thinks that I'm not uh, knowing that, then they would be like, all right, Jake doesn't game plan, but I definitely know. Like, don't get guillotined, right? Um, watch that be my undoing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, I pray not, right? But uh, but that's the cool thing about fighting is, yeah, you got to adjust a little bit, but you're not going to adjust all. You're not going to like, you know, an adjustment and a change are two different things. Yeah, I guess another question that's kind of building off that, like a follow-up, would be, so you, when you're coming up with your game plan, like are you training specifically for a fight-to-win event? Like let's say you're about to do American Nationals versus you're about to fight Pedro Mourinho or Hudson fight-to-win. Like what does training look like when you're doing those? Uh, training looks about the same. The thing, the only, only real difference is um, because I like to grapple consistently all the time. Um, which I know to some people might sound like, what? you got to pay attention to the rule set. But the, hear, me, hear me out. My game is almost always uh, – my game is almost always geared towards getting good positions and leading up to a submission. But I also have a lot of different positions that I like to throw submissions from. So even in IBJJF, I'll be throwing submissions. It's just a matter of like, okay, I'm not really worried about trying a super hard pass and overextending – if I see his foot, I might just step back for a footlock because it might just be a good position for me to end up in. Like if I end up in, if I can end up under the leg with a grip on the sleeve already, and I can initiate for that from the top position, I might just do that. Yeah. So kind of thought of another question. So you said you pretty much grapple, like you're trying to get a good position and then attack submissions from there. So I feel like depending on your style for IBJJF, I think sometimes from what I've seen recently, like there's some guys who attack. Like specialize, I should say, specialize in attacking the back, and their whole game plan is around like either doing a baron bolo or passing the guard, getting to the back somehow, and then attacking like a bow and arrow or some type of choke. But I feel like that is more difficult fight to win to win matches like strategically, just because it's really difficult to get to someone someone's back, especially if they're really good. So I feel like for those people, it might be good to come up with like a new strategy to like attack the feet more, or just like find out new ways to go for submissions, and that would lead them to getting more like decision victories fight to win and i see guys like that who are really good at attacking the back sometimes they don't always um get the back fight to win and then it's really hard to rack up the submission points what do you think about that i think it's true but what we're talking about here is like kind of just game planning or uh, not uh, game planning but how you even do jujitsu in the first place like i like attacking the back but i also like attacking footlocks which is a really like for a submission only super fight show in the same rule set as fight to win footlocks are real important you know like fo footlocks are Footlocks are, are very important, um, but for uh, something like, you know, Third Coast or something like IBJJF, just going for submissions all the time with no opportunity to get a better position is not very good. So in fight to win, I would say if you're one of those people who are so bred to, like, pass and then submit and you can't pass, you might never throw a submission. Um, someone Like, that was my strength versus Ronaldo is Ronaldo really, really, really wanted to uh, pass my guard, but he couldn't. And uh, he almost did it at the end. But I was going for submissions the whole time, and that's why I won. So it was that that's in a, in an IBJJF rule set, I likely would have lost to Hanaldo. But do you kind of see my point? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so another question about the match tomorrow. So like, when you travel to a tournament like this, that's like out of state, fight to win. Like, how does that differ from competing at fight to win in Arizona? Like, not preparation wise, but just like mentally, like all the extra stuff that goes into it. Because you've competed. 
like obviously a bunch of fights and wins outside of the state, but you've done a ton inside of Arizona. So like, how is it different competing in between those two? So uh, the pandemic has a little bit to do with it, of course. Um, but uh, are you underwater? It's because of my. Uh, Um, but yeah, I sorry, my my mic is uh kind of weird. But um, so with the la the last Arizona event I did, I mean I we have a full crowd, and the crowd like I, I'm I'm known in Arizona a little more, so I get the crowd behind me a little bit. Uh, in something like Texas or Hawaii or Florida, which is all places I've competed in, um, it's just different because I have to go, you know, I have to go a little out. Of, I have to go into an area where, like, okay, these people don't know me. It's just a fight. You know, it's like, it's just flow, and it's the fight. Uh, I really enjoy a crowd. Like, I really like entertaining. Um, but that's, like, you know, in a position like this, I don't think a lot of people know me here in Texas. Or, like, if they do, they do jiu-jitsu. So, as far as how it's different, the game, or the, the, like the mental side of it is more, I just really enjoy it. I really enjoy competing. Um, but win, lose, or draw, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not super concerned over results. I'm more concerned over uh, actually just living life and, and having a really fun time and proving and, like, testing myself. And it really is about testing myself and seeing how I can do and doing my best and putting myself out there. And that's, that's made me compete better because it's not about the result. It's about doing, it's, it's doing jiu-jitsu how I want to do jiu-jitsu rather than the result, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like more about your performance, you would say, yeah. than yeah. A good performance would yield a good result. A good performance would yield a good result. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So I, I know we talked to Gianni, what was it, last week? So a lot of the stuff that he talked about, because he's been working with uh, like a sports performance mental coach for a long time, and he said one of the biggest like takeaways that he got from that is just focusing on like the things he can control, like focusing on his performance, you know, just doing all the things that he can do himself without getting too carried away with analyzing his competitors, comparing himself to them. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Was that something that you felt like you could relate to when he was talking about that? Absolutely. Um, one uh, one thing is I think that we have to focus on what we can control. I can't control what Pedro is going to do tomorrow, right? Um, I can control how I approach the match. I can, I can only control my actions in the moment. I can't really control how he acts because it's him. So when people get so focused on result, they are taking everything out of – they're taking everything into consideration what they're doing, and they're forgetting what other people can do. They're saying that what I do is going to be better than what they do. But you don't know that. That's why you have to be ready to fight out of bad positions. That's why I don't even think – I don't like to even think about the fight until it's, like, about to happen. Um, and I know it sounds weird. It's not like I don't game plan or anything like that. But I don't like to get all hung up on what may or may not happen because I can sit and, you know – put my mind in a in a tw in a big bind thinking about all the possibilities of what can happen or I can prepare myself to deal with every conceivable possibility hopefully and when it does happen I'm just dealing with it as it happens uh Gianni spoke a lot about hey like taking pressure off yourself and it's not like that's the whole focus of putting myself in a frame of mind where I understand that I could get caught in a submission like it's not wrong to think that way I think that uh people have pushed this winner mentality quote unquote for a very long time saying you have to think this way like you have to think like you're already the best it's like you know man i think that being realistic with yourself um often gets confused with being pessimistic with yourself people think that realism is always pessimism but i think if you are able to realistically manifest your goals then that's the best kind of realism so i have no problem saying 
okay, I can go out there and beat Pedro by submission tomorrow because I know that it's a possibility. But that doesn't that doesn't eliminate the possibility of him winning by submission tomorrow. And that's what makes me strong, I believe, is my ability to realistically put myself in the shoes of somebody who, okay, I understand the danger in this fight, but I do believe that I can do better than him. Does that make sense? Yeah, I feel, I feel like your mindset's really different compared to a lot of other top competitors just because, like you said, like you acknowledge the fact that your opponent is good at certain things. You're preparing for like specific things that he does well. So, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like, in a sense, that probably helps you um, improve at a better rate because, like, you're not afraid to acknowledge your weaknesses or things that you feel like you need to improve on, even if they're not, like, weaknesses that people can exploit easily, just stuff that you can get better at. Do you feel like that helps you, like, in training, too, like, having that mindset, being really honest with yourself, really realistic? Yeah, because there's been many times where I show up to fights and I haven't been training good, and I, or, like, I, I show up to fights and I was sick for a whole week before the fight. And I think... Um, and th- th- you're, what, what I'm about to say is going to make a lot of people think uh, I probably go into fights with a pre-made set of excuses, but that's not what it is. Because I think that you have to be ready. In jiu-jitsu, we're preparing to be good on our worst day, right? So we're not preparing to be good on our – like if our best day is that day, then it will just be that much better. But we're preparing to be good on our worst day. And I've competed many times where I'm like, dude, I didn't even sleep the night before. Or I was sick or anything like that. Uh, some, of the, some of my biggest wins are actually when I felt like I was not um, – at 100%. But for me to approach every training day being like, all right, cool, i got to put myself in a position where I'm a white belt every day. And that sounds cliche, but if you really are, how, how does a white belt who is hungry to improve look? There's, there's two different types of white belts, right? There's white belts who really want to win or who really want to learn. And you can tell by the way they grapple if they're trying to apply techniques they learn in class or if they're doing the same technique they know over and over because they want that gratification of winning. What I try to approach jiu-jitsu with is that same hungry white belt mentality where I mean well we were just talking to, to David Garmo and uh, he's showing us uh, some some really awesome tips on some stuff and and I I'm, I remember in the middle of it I could see that he's like that too he just wants to see stuff and he wants to let himself be molded even in his black belt in I think that's really really powerful because I can't possibly stop learning jiu-jitsu and I, I can only make myself stop learning if I stop being hungry right that's when you stop eating is when you're full but if you're always hungry you'll never stop eating so that's how I try to approach jiu-jitsu right now, uh, especially being 23. It's my second year at black belt, fighting someone like Pedro who got his black belt like five days ago, six days ago. I want to be able to, okay, I understand that there's a lot of stuff I don't know in the sport. I'm not just going to be that footlock guy that sometimes does bolo and collar and sleeve my whole life. I want to be able to pass the guard. I want to be able to take the back. I want to be able to do half guard, deep half guard. I think it's important. And I, I, I wonder how many people can relate to that, and I hope that inspires some people. I think that the process is so much more important than the result. And I think we often get caught up in the gratification of winning something. Um, we fail to realize that this journey didn't start with the intent to win something. It started with the intent to have something greater than yourself. And I think that um, if more people can remember that greater reason they started jiu-jitsu when they go in a tournament, they'll have an easier time competing with less stress. Yeah, I feel like something that you said really resonated, like you mentioned – hanging out with David and uh, David Garmo, really high-level black belt, and just, like, exchanging techniques with him. I feel like the guys who are the most successful in jiu-jitsu make the biggest improvements after they get their black belt. And, like, you see guys like Leandro Lowe, like, obviously he still does some of the same stuff that he, he did and he was, has been successful with for years, but he also, his game has changed a lot. He's added a lot of different, like, setups, a lot of different techniques to his game that weren't there, like, when he first started competing with black belt. Obviously he, like, went up a bunch of weight classes and did stuff, but what do you, what do you think? Do you think that... A lot of the top black belts are, like, 
basically just do, do you agree with my t- assessment? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like um, two things. One, I feel like my improvement at Black Belt was pretty big just because of the uh, – exactly, yeah. Uh, I feel like um, my improvement at Black Belt was pretty big because I realized this early on. Uh, but, like, it's not bad to um, – don't, don't get me wrong. It's not bad to retain a lot of the stuff you like. Like, I win a lot of fights by footlock still because I believe in my footlock. But you'll see that, like, you'll drop things that are unnecessary for your game. You'll start to grow a little bit and realize, I don't really like to do that anymore. I like this because it leans better towards me. Um, but you'll still retain some of those things that you love. Like, Leandro still does blast knee cuts. He still does blast double legs. But he's also grown a lot in, okay, his appreciation and understanding of the rule set. Uh, getting under the leg, he's done a little bit differently. He also leans a little bit more towards uh, Serica, which is uh, the De La Hiva with the far side sleeve. And he still does a lot of those same things, but he does them in different ways. He's adapted. He's evolved. I mean, look at um, the, the uh, what do I want to say, the evolution of Ronaldo Jr.'s guard, where it used to be uh, a little bit different, and then it became Lapel and, he- and Lasso, and then it became something else. And you can see Gordon Ryan, how he's evolved over the years, going from a guy who does primarily heel hooks to being a guy who can call his shots. So it ha- I think that the, it's all about what the athlete wants to do with themselves. If they want to stay in a comfort zone or if they are consistently looking to make themselves uncomfortable so that they grow. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of what you said, too, resonated with me. Like, the stuff you were saying earlier, especially, like, you can tell when someone is just trying to do their best position in training and feel comfortable and like get a quote-unquote win versus like someone who's actually trying to implement the new stuff that they're learning so what i guess this kind of this is kind of a selfish question so like someone who maybe they've been do, doing jiu-jitsu for a while and sometimes it's hard for them to get out of their comfort zone like they know that they can have around with a certain training partner and it's like gonna go pretty well for them or they can try the stuff that they learned in class that they suck at it's a position they don't do how do you like what tips would you have for that person to implement those techniques and just basically just let go of their ego so think about this um i wasn't gonna say anything about gordon ryan like in that in that regard but uh so think about this i my jiu-jitsu is heavily 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 influenced by my faith in jesus christ uh pride is one of the most biggest reasons that people cannot understand the gospel and it's one of the biggest reasons that people sin in the first place is pride what makes them comfortable right it's what they feel is better it's me 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 pride is like the overflowing love for yourself and um that's why being proud of someone is like loving them you're you're proud of them right so if you are too proud to put yourself in a position where you're going to lose in the training room it's all pride because it sucks getting tapped out by a blue belt when you're a brown belt. It sucks getting tapped out by even a lower-level brown belt when you're black belt. And it certainly sucks get putting yourself in a horrible position every single day so that you can grow and maybe get tapped out five times a day when you previously were not like that because you worked for a long time to become good, so that didn't happen. Not so that didn't happen, but it was a byproduct of becoming good. Take me, for instance. I will uh, open up a little bit about this. For a long time, uh, being blackboard in my academy and teaching a lot of my students and, you know, just becoming a coach and having them, a lot of them growing a lot with them, I became very good, and the gap started to increase. So what my professor and I uh, ended up doing was making it incumbent that I start in horrible positions, and I make myself I, – I swallow my pride, and then I spit it out. I don't just swallow it so it comes back. I swallow it, and I spit it out. It's gone. I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm not uh, – <laughs> jokes on you, I don't have a choice of getting tapped out every class. Good, you're going to grow. Um, but 
I don't like putting myself in a position where, okay, I'm comfortable and I don't feel like – because you know, everybody knows deep down that to grow, you have to mess up. You have to. Mistakes are one of the biggest ways you grow. It's why you come back from a tournament after a loss and you expound upon your mistake and you grow. You, you, put, that, you put that in the forefront of your mind like, okay, I, I did not do that well or you're rough on yourself. I sucked at that. Whatever the case may be, you attack it. It's like when you realize you go to the gym and you're like, man, I can't do these bicep curls good. Then you spend a little bit of time, more time doing bicep curls. You go a little bit heavier on bicep curls so you can get stronger. It's the, the examples for dealing with your pride are prevalent through a lot of different points in your life. So with, with jiu-jitsu, if you're trying to, okay, I want to get better at this position, you have to ditch your pride. And that's the, the, the biggest thing. It, everybody says leave your ego at the door. People don't leave their ego at the door. People let their ego come in with them after the warm-up. You know? they, let, they make their ego stay outside until after the warm-up, and then when the roles come in, they let their ego back in. But you have to not just leave your ego at home. You have to strangle your ego to death and leave it in a trash can outside the gym. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I definitely. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like it's something that I'm trying to work through. Like, I don't feel like I have a huge ego when I train or anything, but I definitely feel like sometimes – subconsciously I just start doing things that I've been doing for a long time and that like probably won't put me in as much danger than if I'm trying to work half guard or something a position I'm not good at so I've been trying to like consciously put myself in those positions in training more often and uh it it is hard it is really hard because like people who are have less experience than you not to say that they're lower level because I feel like level depends on like the position it depends on a lot of different things but um but, yeah, it's difficult, but I definitely feel like it's necessary if you want to really, like, grow and expand your game. Yeah, you know, a big a big quote I heard one time was um, uh, your – but I can apply this to this. It says, your dreams are on the other side of your fears. And your dreams can be a, a euphemism or a metaphor for just, like, your goals. What you want is on the other side of your fear. Fear has to do with pride and with lack of understanding. If you understand – the worst thing that's going to happen to me is I'm going to get tapped out, possibly in front of everybody. Why does that matter to you? It's because your pride is in the way. Okay, sw- kill your pride, and now what is in the way? Okay, why do you have fear? You know, there's no reason to be afraid anymore. Tackle it. So whatever you're afraid of, whatever scares you, whatever makes you uncomfortable is going to help you grow. And I'm not saying like, oh, go to a gym all the way out in wherever Neverland and engage in heel hooks with people who are rough because that makes me scared. No. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying put your life in danger. I'm saying, okay, uh, like for instance, Danny, I don't, I don't train a lot of nogi, right? The best way for me to learn nogi would be to roll with people who are really good at the leg lock stuff and learn. And trust them. Tell them, hey, look, if you give me a heel hook, please, like don't rip my heel off. I'm not going to fight out of it once I get caught and I know I'm done. I'm going to tap. But the best thing you can do is like, okay, I don't know this. I don't know this. I'm not going to say I know it because that would be a lie, and I'm not a liar. So I have to put myself in the fire. And uh, hopefully I'll come out a sharper sword when they, when I cool off. Yeah, for sure. So I do have some questions about uh, the other, the rest of the uh, fights on Fight to Win. Um, so we talked a little bit about it. There's a lot of really good matchups, but like, who are you excited to watch tomorrow outside of obviously your own match, <laughs> Victor Hugo? I uh, I love Victor Hugo. I love his game. Um, I believe he has an incredibly bright future. I mean, being the number one pound for pound gi competitor, stepping into no gi. He's done pretty good in Nogi before. Um, I think he, he has an edge over Tim Spriggs particularly. They're both really um, – I mean, Tim Spriggs is much, much more athletic and, and, and explosive than Victor, I believe. But he's a weight class down. He's definitely small. I mean, Tim Spriggs is shorter than me, and I am dwarfed next to Victor Hugo. <laughs> uh, he's a mountain of a man, and I think that um, we're going to see his big man flow. I know he's been talking about that a lot, which I think you know, is pretty funny. He's a funny guy. Um, 
But what I expect is uh, I expect Victor to lull him into a technical match. Uh, I don't know how long the match is. Probably what ten minutes. It's a ten minute match. I think about about the three minute mark, we'll start to see some some good jujitsu. Uh, if I had to predict a, a time in which action would start to turn from explosive wrestling to uh, fundamental jujitsu. I would say that's about the time. Well, who knows? Maybe Victor will throw a heel hook. Who knows? I, I think he might. I think uh, he probably would want to do that kind of thing because this is kind of the season where we're starting to see – no one's talking about it, but we're starting to see uh, you know, comp- big companies start to advertise no-gi way more than they advertise gi. It's just what's happening right now. And, I don't, and it's, it's not no-gi season, quote-unquote, anymore. It's just, it's just more popular. And um, we'll see uh, a gi competitor kind of step into the no-gi scene, I believe, and do some pretty cool stuff. I believe in Victor Hugo. I think he's improving – at a crazy rate, too. Uh, but I do imagine that we'll see a, a good match out of him. And besides that, I mean, yeah, I'm excited for my match. But I'm also excited to see Kashino step in at the last one, uh, the last minute. I really believe in Kashino. I think he's very, very good. Um, <laughs> I think he's he's fantastic. So, yeah, and I uh, he was in the chat earlier, so I wish I should have said hi. But, um, yeah, no, he's great. Yeah, that's, that's the match I'm looking forward to the most outside of Jake's, obviously. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, Cole France and Tiago Macedo is a really good match. That's Nogi too, so it'll be cool to, to watch Tiago do some more Nogi. I know Cole's on a lot of Nogi. Tiago has too, but um, I haven't seen him do it quite as much as Cole. But yeah, my favorite match outside of Jake's, like I said, is Kishino and Gabriel Souza. Um, I think Gabriel has done really well his last couple fights to wins. He beat Gianni Grippo in his last match in the Gi, and then he lost a really close match to Diego Pato. And Diego's, like, a really, really fun competitor to watch. Has, like, a lot of cool lapel stuff and really good passing. Um, but, yeah, I think Kishino's style um, is, like, really submission-oriented. Gabriel has some good submissions, too. But I feel like Kishino probably has a little bit of a size advantage. I know Gabriel used to compete at Rooster at Purple Belt. Um, so, yeah, I think Kishino can, can definitely pull it off. It's going to be a really good, really good, really fun match, though. You know, uh, actually, I want to answer this question. This is a pretty good question. Uh, Ryan Liu said, as you get more and more popular, will your goal shift more to entertaining the crowd, or will you try to win regardless? Here's the thing. I like entertaining, uh, Mr. Liu, but uh, I can't always guarantee entertaining. And like I said, I can't really control the fight. I believe that entertainment has to do with what happens in the fight. If I can win every fight uh, dominantly and I can showcase good technical jiu-jitsu, I'd rather do that. Um, because uh, entertaining usually implies crazy athleticism and cardio, and I don't really like either of those things. I'm not good at either of those things. So um, if I had to say, I mean, I'm not going to lean towards making fight. I mean, I'm going to lean more towards implementing my game plan. I care more that what I do works than having some crazy spectacle, although I've had some pretty crazy matches that have gone down as one of some of the best. Like like I had a uh, um, couple matches with Ronaldo Jr. that were like some of the best matches at a tournament, and it was a really, really cool, but the end of the day, it's not really my goal, my end all be all goal to like be excited. Like, I know athletes like Cody, um, like Cody Steele is really big on like I want to put on a show, and Williams like I just want to win, and I want to win dominantly, and that in turn puts on a show. For sure. Um, so Marcio Andre Academy just joined. <laughs> Marcio Andre Jiu Jitsu, episode twenty <laughs> something guest of the Open Guard Cast, Professor <laughs> Boo. Daniel <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I want to see some more uh, some more questions because I there pretty much asked Jake. Uh, Ryan Lou has all the questions. <laughs> Election performance memes and <laughs> twenty three, I think. Awesome. Well, um, yeah. If you guys have any more questions, just go ahead and ask. Uh, we we 
Let's go. <laughs> We're definitely pumped for EUG promotions. Um, oh, yeah. Marcio, I think, will probably be our next guest. Hopefully. Um, yeah. We'd love to have him back on. I, I, I very much enjoyed the conversation with him last time. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, so, yeah, we'll definitely have to have him back on. Get to the roots. Awesome. Does anybody have any last questions before we uh, do the uh, outro and then uh, after we finish this uh, recording on this nice recorded little game we have, we will, <laughs> we will uh, think about you guys as well. Uh, what's your workout routine, Danny? <laughs> Danny O'Donnell, what's your workout routine? Um, I lift probably like four to five times a week, but it's only for like, hang on, is there another you question? You lift five times a week? Yeah, but I, honestly, my lifting sessions are sometimes like 30 minutes long. They're not really that long. And I usually do them in the morning um, before before training. So, yeah, and I also don't try not to go like too close to failure just so I can train at night and stuff like that and not feel like too beat up or sore. But, yeah, I just do, like, upper body and lower body splits. Usually, I would say on average it's four times a week. Sometimes it's five. Uh, Marjo Andre asks, what do you guys think about this tournament? So, um, I would say that the, if you're talking about the EUG Promotions tournament, I would say it's going to be a pretty groundbreaking event, if I had to guess. Uh, one cool thing about it is he's brought together a and a very exciting group of competitors. I think that it's it's a very interesting spread of weight classes. Um, we have competitors who are known for being like really precise jiu-jitsu competitors, competitors who are known to bridge the gap between uh, – did I, say, did I say precise and exciting? I, mean, I like – what I mean by that is he's brought together a group of competitors, a few of which who are very fundamental, very – jiu-jitsu is very precise. To some who have bridged the gap between, okay, they're very fundamental and precise and they're explosive, and then some who are just dogs. And I think it's really cool to see what the matchups might be. Um, I don't know. Do you mirror that, Danny? Yeah. I, just, I mean, I think he brought in pretty much the best under 160-pound grapplers in the world. Like, I don't really think there's anyone else you could include in that. I mean, there's obviously other guys who are at the top. But if I had to pick my, like, a perfect bracket for that weight class, like, that's what I would pick. And, uh, yeah, it's just awesome. I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I feel like watching Marcio is just going to be so much fun fighting all those guys because – I've, every match he's had with any of those guys has been so fun, and it's just to see the rematches is just going to be amazing. <laughs> I was just about to say that. And what's funny is I, I'm so honored to be able to commentate such a cool event because, um, I mean, I get to watch some of the greatest black belts in the entire world compete and call their matches. So I get to call Marcio Andre's match as well, which is a special honor as well because he's your coach. Um, last question. Spencer Selman asks, uh, tell us about your game, what your game is like. Danny O'Donnell. Tell us about your jiu-jitsu because we don't want, we don't get to see this. This is a hot commodity, right? You guys are getting tired of seeing me, but I want to see Danny too every now and again, all right? But I want to know what Danny Danny's game is like. Um, yeah, I guess I don't talk about my game a lot because I'm not a professional competitor. <laughs> like, it's way more interesting to me to ask Jake and ask Marcio and ask other high-level guys, like, what their game's like. But anyway, I started – I feel like I started um, – probably emphasizing passing more when I first started training, which is kind of weird for, like, someone in my weight class. But, yeah, I, so I, I really like passing. Um, I like knee cut passing, leg drags, like, Toriando passing. And from bottom, I like single leg X guard a lot. So I usually try and set it up from, like, De La Hiva. So I've learned a lot watching Jake. Obviously, I've learned almost everything I've learned is from Marcio. 
just like his concepts. My, I feel like my game has changed a lot since he started coaching me. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I try and play both top and bottom pretty evenly. But from bottom, I like to get to single leg X and try and sweep with, like, both pan grips. And from top, I like to uh, either Toriando and leg drag or combine that with, like, knee cuts too. Fantastic. You know what's funny is you and I have a very similar game. Uh, <laughs> that's probably why you like watching, um, uh, like talking to me about jiu-jitsu because me and you do like a lot of the same stuff. But um, yeah, that is gonna is that gonna be the last question. So uh, do you want me to do this this election performance outro? Ladies and gentlemen, look at this man. <laughs> look very closely and intently at the ripped bod that is Danny O'Donnell. Think in your head, how could I attain such Ripped shoulders. How could I attain such low body fat? <laughs> almond milk, not the answer. All right? Unsweetened almond milk, closer. Avocados, diced or sliced? Unimportant. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Danny O'Donnell is the example of men's peak fitness. You may not like it, but 31 years old and this ripped, that's electrum performance. That is what we are selling to you. Not even selling, but reaching to you. So, ladies and gentlemen, how does Danny's neck have a six-pack? I don't know. To this day, Election Performance has not released Team EP19 neck jitsu system. But we're working on it. So, ladies and gentlemen, go check them out. We want to thank Marcio Andre Academy and Matakaba BJJ. We want to thank you guys. You guys watching the live stream at home. We want to thank this recorder for putting out some amazing audio quality. We want to thank uh, Samson Mice for being the microphone of the Open Guard cast. Just, just for today. Just for today. Um, and yeah, I want to thank Danny O'Donnell for making the trip out here to uh, watch me compete and fight to win 167. And thank you, Son Joseph, for being an impromptu member of the Open Guard cast today. I almost forgot he was a part of the episode just now. But uh, yeah, Danny, do you have any closing messages you want to say? No, I'm just really excited to uh, to watch Fight to Win 167 tomorrow. I think it's going to be awesome. Probably a lot of people will listen to this after it comes out, but we'll definitely get Sean Joseph back on the podcast. He was really cool. Um, that was my first time meeting him, just him walking into our hotel room. <laughs> but, but yeah, I want to ask him a lot more questions about refing. He's like one of the main Fight to Win refs, if, if you haven't seen him or heard, heard his name before. He competes as well. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, uh, yeah, this is episode... 86. Is it? Or 87. 87. Yeah, 86 was Jessicon, 85 Gianni. So, yeah, 87. Oh, 87 of the Open Guard Cast. Yeah, 87 of the Open Guard Cast. In a hotel room. In a hotel room. Fairmont. <laughs> Fairmont, Austin, Texas. The Open Fairmont Cast. And hopefully we're going to record another one this weekend with a guest who's also competing on Fight Twin 167, who will remain nameless until we release the episode. Yes, I forgot already. But yeah, thanks everyone for listening and thanks for watching the live stream and asking questions. <laughs> this is really fun. So sorry if it was a bit disorganized because we just kind of did it on the fly, but um, we had a good time. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it and we will see you guys soon.